0: Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today, we're concluding our series on complete trust with our message, Authority. Pastor has been giving us a lot of different steps in this series to grow in our faith, and today he's showing us what may be the most important, that we have the same authority over the devil that Jesus had. We're called to hate evil, to resist it and keep our minds on the kingdom of God. When we use our authority, we have that kingdom in us. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to live the life that God wants us to live. When we use our authority over the devil and all things evil, the kingdom of heaven is already in and shining through us. Let's take a look.
1: Now Jesus said this in Mark chapter four in verse 26. He's talking about how faith grows. And he said that faith is like a seed. But he begins Mark 4, 28, for the earth yields crops by itself. Now the earth here is referring to your heart. And he says, your heart yields crops by itself. Now, it's very important that we understand that we need to do things with our heart. Jesus said, either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the tree bad and the fruit bad. Now, in this scripture, the earth is referring to your heart. But in that particular scripture, Jesus is using a tree as an example of your heart. And he says, make the tree good or make the tree bad. So what you and I do determines whether we have a good heart or whether we have a bad heart. So Jesus said, for the earth, your heart yields crops by itself. Now, that that little phrase there, by itself, So in the Greek, we get our word automatic from it. In other words, it's just automatic. You put the right stuff, the right seed in your heart, right? And it's just going to automatically produce the right stuff. So if you, if you sow seeds of fear into your heart, it is automatically going to produce fear. Uh, listen, if, if, you're, if all you're doing is feeding on mainstream media, it is no wonder you have a spirit of fear. Right? Because it's going to bring forth fruit because that's what you're putting in. And if you keep putting that in, it is automatically, you say, but I don't want that. Doesn't matter. It's automatic. It is going to produce that. You see, now if you're feeding on greed, it's going to produce greed because that's the seeds that you're putting in. You're putting in seeds of lust. And what is it going to produce? It's going to produce lust. You say, but that's not what I want. Yeah, but it's just automatic. You put the seeds in your heart and it's going to produce. Now, what we want is faith. But you know what faith food is? It's the Bible. You put that in to your heart and that is going to produce, well, literally, we can say it like this. It, you, uh, what you plant is what you get. So, you plant corn, you get corn. You plant carrots, you get carrots. Um, we have a family farm up by, up by Cadillac. And up in Cadillac, the season for growing is shorter than the season here. So the farmer we lease our, our fields to, he buys seeds that have a shorter growing season. You you can buy seeds with a different growing season about 20 to 25 days of difference. But the seed always produces exactly what it is. Now, there's seeds that you can get that produce equally in a dry area as in a wet area. And if you know your area is extra dry, you you buy the dry seeds. And there's seeds that fight against certain sorts of diseases. And if that's prevalent in your area, that's what you sow. Now listen, whatever you sow, you get exactly back what you sowed. So that's why it is so important for us to sow the word of God into our hearts. And then Jesus said, this is the way that it works. He said, first there's a blade, then the head, and after that, the full grain in the head. So what Jesus is saying is he's saying that once it's planted, there's a time that it takes for it to grow. And as it grows, there's going to be a greater and greater manifestation of what has been sown. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, what often happens is we try to forget that watering time. We, we just want to go plant, harvest, plant, harvest. But there is a time that the seed of God's word has to be watered. And how do you water that word? Well, as we're talking before, you steward that word and you keep on feeding it, feeding it, and feeding it. Faith. One of the great things about faith, and by the way, today's message, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about what Jesus said. Jesus said that the steward, the good steward, he brings forth new, and he brings forth old. So I'm going to say some things that you've heard before, and I will probably say some things that you have not heard before. And uh, having been here as the lead pastor for 37 years, most of what I say, you've heard before. But, you know, like Peter said, he said, I'm going to remind you. He said, as long as I'm in this flesh, I'm going to keep on reminding you. But one of the things that we do by faith is we stand against the works of the enemy. Now, in Ephesians 4, verse 27, it says, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Now, listen, there is one place you need to give to the devil. And that's a place in your theology, a place in your theology. I, I, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said the devil's greatest masterpiece was convincing people that he did not even exist, that he didn't even exist. You've got to have a place in your theology for the devil. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, Goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Matthew 11, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. What do the violent do? They take it. Now, when it comes to faith, there's really, there's two two sides to how this works. Jesus said here that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it. But later, Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for your father desires to give you the kingdom. Now, do you take it by force or does he give it to you? Yes. Yes, all right, God is giving you the kingdom and you just receive what he gives. But the enemy is trying to keep you, keep every blessing of the kingdom of God away from our lives. And with him, we take it by force. We take it by force. Another translation, speaking about standing against the devil, Mark 6, verse 3 and they drove out many demons. What did they do to him? The devil is stubborn. Sometimes you just need to stand and you need to drive him out. NIV says, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick with oil and healed them. In other words, there was a difference between something that was demonic and healing the sick. Uh, Another translation says they forced many demons out. The devil does not want to cooperate. You know, Jesus is telling a demon to leave a man in Mark chapter 6. And he doesn't want to leave. And Jesus says, well, what's your name? And he says, my name's Legion because we're many. And then they begged Jesus to let them go into a herd of pigs. And Jesus said, go. And they left. And by the way, that, those pigs, they run off a cliff down into the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says there's 2,000 of them and they drowned. And by the way, that is the first mention of deviled hams. But ultimately, listen, ultimately the devil's goal is to destroy every person. That's his goal. And if he could, he would. And to the the degree that we allow him, he does. Now, Mark chapter one in verse 23. I'm gonna read several verses here. Now, there was a man in their synagogue who had an unclean spirit and he cried out. When it's referring to an unclean spirit in Scripture, it's talking about a spirit of sexual perversion. Saying, let us alone, the spirit is crying. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. Now, in the Old Testament, there's never, not one time, do we find an occasion where a person confronts an evil spirit and casts out an evil spirit. There was not that authority in the New Testament. Now, you need to understand, everything Jesus did, he did looking forward to the cross. Now, Jesus was forgiving sins before the cross, right? He was. But he was doing it because of what he was going to do on the cross. He was proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come. He said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, he said, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Authority over evil spirits is part of the kingdom of God. So this one cries out, he's delivered, and they say, what new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. They had never seen it before, because it had never been before. It's part of the kingdom. And when Jesus came, he said, I'm announcing to you, the kingdom of God is here. Now, we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, but listen, what most Christians think is this being a Christian is about going to heaven. Being a Christian will get you to heaven, but being a Christian is not about going to heaven. Being a Christian is about bringing the kingdom here and now. That's what the kingdom is. Jesus said, Pray, your kingdom come. We're just thinking we're going. I'm going to the kingdom, I'm going to heaven. But Jesus said, no, the kingdom is for now. He said, the kingdom of God, it's here. And he proclaimed the kingdom. So it was in the Old Testament, there was no authority over demons. But as part of the kingdom of God, Jesus came and showed the authority. But then Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. By the way, those are names for the devil and demons. And over all the power of the enemy. You have authority over what? All the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm or hurt you. Now, here's the deal. We have that authority, but the question is, are we using it? Because the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. So we need to use that authority. Now, what we have, uh, we have so many of us as Christians that we believe that everything that happens is just what God wants to happen. It's all the will of God. And so the result is we resist nothing but the last time the devil fled from you is the last time you resisted him. And so what we do so often is we go, oh God, the devil's after me, get him. And God's in heaven saying, hey, I gave you the authority, you use it, you use it, it's up to you. Psalm 78, 41, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do more for them, but because of their unbelief, God was not able to do it. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. It wasn't God's will they didn't get there. 2 Timothy 2.26, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him, the devil, to do his will. Whose will were they doing? The devil's will. And by the way, for that to happen, your will needs to become passive. You need to be passive. You see, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it. They take it. Other translations say they push their way in. You've got to be Violent. Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those that are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. God wanted to do something, but they were not willing. 1 Timothy 2, 4, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But people slip into eternity every day without God. See, we have got to understand that being a Christian does not mean being a mamsy-pamsy, toast, spineless thing going, oh, whatever. No, it's not whatever. It's thy will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Psalms 97.10, for you have loved the Lord and Hated evil. You've loved the Lord and what? Hated evil. Sometimes what we just have the idea as Christians: well, you just love everybody and everything's okay. No, you need to hate evil. You need to love God. But if you love God, you're going to hate evil. Proverbs eight thirteen: the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Hebrews. 1, verse 9, you, it's, it's a prophetic word about Jesus, you've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Loved righteousness, but you hated lawlessness. You know, as followers of Christ, we're supposed to love God, love righteousness, and hate lawlessness. And therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You know, when you hate evil, it brings joy. It brings gladness into your heart. There's things we need to hate. Listen, you need to hate abortion. You need to hate the teaching that's going on in our schools about sexual confusion. All right? We need to hate it. All right? We need to, listen, I want you to listen to this carefully. Do not clap. You need to hate this whole. LGBTQ actions, not the person. We love every person, but you can hate what they do. Revelation two, verse 20. But I gave the, I have this charge against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads, me, leads my bond servants to commit acts of sexual immorality. In our culture today, tolerance is considered a virtue or you just need to be tolerant you're not tolerant listen jesus said i have this against you that you tolerate that you tolerate it it's just fine with you well whatever whatever no you cannot have a whatever attitude because in the kingdom of god we love righteousness but we hate lawlessness and somebody says well who are you to say what's right and what's wrong it's not a, listen, something's right when God says it's right, and it's wrong when God says it's wrong. That's, that's it. That is it. Another translation says it this way. You let that woman Jezebel do what she wants. You let that woman Jezebel do what she wants. Well, it's, it, well, it's not true for you, but it's true for me. I This is what I want to do. This is what I feel happy doing. And so if I do this, then it's okay. No, no, Jesus said, I have this against you, that you tolerate that, that you say it's all right. It's not all right. Listen, a spirit of fear comes and it makes you fearful. A spirit of sexual perversion attaches itself to, and it manifests itself through sexual perversion. And you think that's you, it's not you, it's the devil. It's the devil, and we need to stand against the devil. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Listen, you and I cannot have a passive will. We need to love righteousness, we need to hate lawlessness, and we need to stand up and say the truth of God's word. Don't be passive, not this whatever attitude. And so often we just figure everything that's happening, it's God's will. I just wanna remind you of Acts 10:38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You know, Jesus really is the perfect manifestation of the will of God. You look at Jesus, you're seeing exactly, exactly what God is like. Hebrews 1.3 says he is the express image of his person. The Amplified Translation says the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence. Other translations, the exact expression of his nature the imprint of God's being, is like him in every way. He is the exact copy of God's nature. And my favorite, the Phillips, the flawless expression of the nature of God. Jesus is the flawless expression of the nature of God. Uh, We look at the Old Testament, and without understanding that sin and the devil... An unredeemed man messed this world up big time. And because of the demonic influence in the world, God dealt with man in a totally different way. But the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. When the kingdom of God came, everything changed. Everything changed. And we want to know what is God like? Jesus is the flawless expression of the nature of God. The flawless expression. In the Old Testament, somebody committed adultery and they were stoned to death. But when they brought a woman caught in adultery to Adultery to Jesus, what did Jesus say? He says, Neither do I condemn you. He said, Go and sin no more. Uh, We look in the Old Testament, we find the devil contaminating the human race in uh, Genesis chapter 6. And uh, God had to deal with humanity on a totally different level because of that. But now the kingdom of God has come. And you wonder what God's like. Jesus trumps everything, Jesus trumps everything and shows us exactly what God is like. All right. Now, in continuing, talking about watering our faith, Joshua one says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, because then you'll make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Notice it talks about Meditating. And again, some people have the the idea of meditation, thinking of Eastern religion. You know, you cross your legs and kind of go like this and hum, right? And and literally, you try to empty yourself, listen, of all your thoughts and all your desires. Empty yourself of thoughts and desires. In fact, Buddhism teaches the reason for all evil is desire. But Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them, right? So so there's a huge difference in between Eastern meditation and Biblical meditation. In Eastern meditation, you empty yourself, but in Bible meditation, you fill yourself. But what you fill yourself with is God's Word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. And of course, some people still, do, well, exactly what is that meditation? How many have ever worried about something? Yes, meditating. You know how. You're just doing it wrong. All right? Instead of meditating on God's promise to you, you're meditating on the problem. But what we need to do is we need to meditate on God's word, on God's promises, and, it says, and then it says you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Um, this may seem a little bit crude, but meditation can be compared to a cow chewing its cud. That cow originally, it goes out and it chomps on that green grass, and, but then it goes and it sits down under the tree, finds a spot, and it regurgitates, and it chews it all over again. And it actually does that multiple times. That's what, that's what meditation is. It's just not hearing God's word once. It, it's hearing it, but then you keep on thinking about it. You keep on considering it. You come at it from every direction. In Mark 4, verse 24, he said to them, Be careful what you're hearing, for the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. Now, let me close with a couple more thoughts. In uh, Romans 4 and verse 20, because we want to become strong in our faith. Uh, The apostle Paul wrote and said, your faith grows exceedingly. Well, when God made the promise to Abraham, in the beginning, he he was not strong in faith. The Bible says he grew strong in faith. Now listen Romans 4:20 No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God but he grew strong in his faith as or by giving glory to God The way that he grew strong in faith was he gave glo- he began to thank God for who he was for his promise And as he continued to do that, he grew strong in his faith. Let me say it this way. Thanksgiving produces faith. When we begin to thank God for the things that he's promised, for the things that he's done, it produces faith. In the Old Testament, David wrote and said, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. Now, You can't make God any bigger than He already is. The Bible says the universe is not big enough to contain God. But David said, I will magnify Him. Now, when you get a magnifying glass and you look at something, how many of you know you do not change the size of the thing, of the object? But He becomes bigger to you. And as we become thankful to God, we begin to see how great God really is how powerful, how magnificent, how loving God is and what he's done for us as we are thankful. It literally, it ignites our faith. Romans 15, verse 13. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May fill you with all joy and peace in believing. One more scripture, Philippians 1:25. And being confident of this thing, I know I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith, and joy of faith. You know, when you're in faith, you've got joy. When you're in faith, you have peace. And notice it says progress, your progress and the joy of your faith. You know, in the kingdom, there is progress, Uh, We look at David. David killed a lion, a bear, a giant, and then confronted nations. There was progress. And I think the Bible didn't tell us about the fox and then the coyote. There was progress. George Mueller, who ran an orphanage in uh, Bristol, England, he ultimately had 2,000 orphans in his orphanage, and he never asked anybody for money ever, never. He said at the end of his life, it was easier for him to believe God for a million pounds than it was in the beginning to believe God for one. It's the progress. It's the progress. And literally, you live life on levels, and you arrive in stages. You live life on levels and you arrive in stages. Let me just quickly give you this example David. He starts out as a shepherd, then he kills a giant and becomes commander of a thousand men in the army. Then he's hated and he becomes a renegade, and he's running for his life living out in the desert in caves. Then he becomes king of Judah, one tribe. Then, seven and a half years later, he becomes king of all. Of Israel, Then he establishes the kingdom, and after that, there's a period of time where he's maintaining the kingdom, and after that, there's a period of time where his focus is on passing the kingdom onto his son Solomon. There were different focuses and different stages and levels in his life, and it's not just true about King David. It's true about you, and it's true about me. Sometimes we think where we are is where we're going to be forever, right? But that's not God's plan, right? It's not God's plan. And the Bible says that it is from faith to faith, from faith to faith. In other words, the faith that you begin with, the faith that I begin with, is not enough to take us all the way to God's purpose and destiny for our life, right? We go from faith to faith. Our faith needs to grow exceedingly. And if we don't steward our faith and grow our faith, we will not fulfill God's purpose and God's destiny for our lives. So I want to thank you for being with us today, but I want to ask you a question before we close. I want to ask if you're right with God. You know, some of us, we'd live for God at one point, but we've drifted away from God. And others, you don't know where you stand with God. But the Bible says this, it says, know that you have everlasting life. We're not supposed to die and find out if we make it to heaven. We're supposed to know now that we're forgiven, right with God and on our way to heaven. And if you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. So if you're that person who's away from God, or you're the person who says, I don't know where I stand with God, or I want to be right with God, I want to pray a prayer with you. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we're going to call on his name the way the Bible tells us to. And if you pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You are going to be saved. You are going to be on your way to heaven. I want you to make these words your own. Just Say this out loud Just say, Oh, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my King, Jesus is my Lord, and I will live for him every day. I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I'm forgiven, a part of your family, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, please, please, I wrote a book that'll help you keep on growing spiritually, and I wanna give you that book absolutely free of charge. All the information is right there on your screen, you can download the book. Or if you need a hard copy, if you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy. Hey, We love you, and God bless you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly. Or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We believe that when you confess God's word daily and you begin to meditate on it, it will change your life. Check out the confession section on the home screen of the Walking by Faith app. You can also listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, check out the weekly devotional and so much more. Look for it in your favorite app store today. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's word on and off the air. If this ministry is blessing you and feeding you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner by going to walkingbyfaith.tv give. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. Have a wonderful week, and remember to get out there and use your authority.